0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you a part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at NorthridgeThomason.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. God bless you. you may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here. Now some of you braved the storms this morning. It was uh, a little crazy this morning at my house with the, not my wife, the winds and, and everything. And. So, I'm going to tell you I'm honored that you're here today. I want to encourage you to be at the uh, pot tonight at 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. We're going to have our annual Super Bowl party. And uh, maybe when I said that, you were thinking, well, we have our own party. But you can come to ours and then go to yours. We're going to have it at 5 o'clock. And uh, we're going to have worship. I'm going to speak. I'm going to bring a message tonight. I'm still standing. Still standing. Kind of really bridging off of what we've seen transpire in our culture over the last year or so uh dealing with the beginning of colin kaepernick who decided to take a seat during the national anthem uh, for me as a veteran and maybe many of you that are veterans and uh, by the way as i say that if you are a veteran have served man we want to honor you let's give them a big hand i'll tell you what i'm i never take that lightly thank you so much but uh, i was offended i was offended by that i didn't feel that was the platform for that and i and i and i still stand on that today but uh, i do get that even as a soldier uh, i realized that as i was fighting for our country as our st- soldiers stand still today fighting for our country and standing watch if you will that they stand even for those who may take that type of stand that will be different than what we believe in our culture uh we we protect all people's rights and that's one of the beauties but yet at the same time the detriments of this great nation in which we live uh but having said that i'm going to bring a message tonight uh, we're going to start worship at 5 and then uh, you come in and grab pizza with your family, of course, and we're going to have worship. And I'm going to speak on this term and this message of I'm still standing. And I want to encourage you to be there. It's going to be a short time, but it will be very poignant, and it will be an encouraging message for you. So I pray that you'll bring your family, bring the kids, bring everybody. It's going to be a great time. Anyone outside our church, anyone's welcome to come. The pie will be open to the public, which is really cool because we get to go in and preach, and people come in just to eat pizza, and they get Jesus. It's really cool. So... I want to encourage you to be there. Uh, We will be done in plenty of time for the game. If you want to watch the game, uh, Derek has told us he's got a new uh, uh, HD system in there in the back room, the huge screen, so you can certainly watch it as some people stay and do that, or you can return to your home. But in either case, we'd love for you to be there. Uh, Also, I want to say thank you so much to all the folks that came out to help uh, in the hunt. We had a pheasant hunt on Friday and, and a quail hunt on Saturday. And, uh, the guys that came out, the men that brought their sons and, and just, just the great help. Thank you to Amber for coming out and taking pictures. And we're going to be posting some of those, but I just want to say, thank you. I, I love being a part of a church that we can celebrate Jesus in so many different facets, so many different avenues. And, uh, so I want to encourage you guys to take advantage of those things that we have going on in our community. Uh, I, I want to do something right now. I want us to bow our heads and let's pray right now. Just feel the Holy spirit lay this on my heart let's pray for other churches right now other pastors that are taking their step in the pulpit let's pray for them right now in jesus name father we come before you and we thank you god for every man of god that is stepping up right now to preach your word god i believe that there are men in the pulpits across america today that are so frustrated that are on the verge of giving up and god i pray that you would lift their head as you say in psalm 3 that you would encourage them that you would abide in them and them in you lord i pray god today that you would anoint Lord, that you would bless every church in our community and surrounding community and across this great nation in which we live, that you would be lifted high in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Let's give these men that are out there preaching a big hand. Amen. Never forget that. Never forget that. We're one church. Let me just give you this. Also, uh, next uh, Wednesday, the 14th, we're going to have a business meeting in this building here. So if you'd like to be here for that, we're going to go over some things. Going to be some great additions we're talking about for this year. Uh, encourage you guys with that. And just for the record, just for the record, I am a McDonald's fan. Just for the record. I heard Keith say, I am not a Chick-fil-A fan. I am a McDonald's fan. I love some chicken nuggets. Just just whatever. That's for you guys. I just love McDonald's. My, my grandkids love McDonald's. Uh, I don't even know that they make Happy Meals at Chick fil A, so I don't really care about that, but uh, love me some McDonald's. How many of y'all saw the State of the Union address last week? How many of you were a little, Lord, give me a good word here? Let me grab it. Frustrated about what you saw in our Congress. Since 1790, joint Congress has come together, and starting with George Washington in 1790, and every year thereafter, the President of the United States has stood at the beginning of each year and given a state of our union, given an economic kind of breakdown and challenges that we faced as well as steps that we put in place to overcome those challenges. And what I saw the other day was a divided Congress, more so than I think I've ever seen in our culture. And you know what? That's okay because, I, and I want, to, I want you to hear this loud and clear, that is what the world does The world is not acting any different than she's supposed to because anything outside of the auspices of Christ is a broken, dysfunctional unit. It's not going to operate correctly. It's not going to flow in a context of order, but always, always, always under the idea of confusion and division. But however, as I see the state of our union being broken in this vicious cycle of, I'm going to do this if you do this. Well, I'll I'll approve this if you approve that. And it becomes this terrible, vicious cycle that has ensued. And I don't really know what's going to break that. So what do we do as children of the Most High God? We pray. We chase after God's heart. And realize that even, and here I want you to hear this, even those men and women who are appointed over us and are leading our nation, the Bible says they are appointed and are ordained by God. That even in the fullness of time, God uses the enemy, Satan, to fulfill his perfect will. Never ever lose heart, child of God, to think that anything that these men or women can do or don't do is somehow going to impede the progress of God's people. Because I don't believe that to be true. I don't believe that to be true in our school systems. I don't believe that to be true even in the family unit today. Because if we really were to take a cross-section of what's going on within the state of our union, a broken, disenfranchised institution of government, make no mistake about it, hear me and hear me well, it did not start with our government, it started with the family. There is an absolute breakdown in our culture within our family. Now, when you really want to unfold this and unpack it and understand what was God's true purpose in his original creative context, it was this. Long before he ever created the judicial system or any form of law, he created the family unit. 2,500 years before the law was given to Moses... 613 laws of thou shalt and thou shalt not it, it, epitomized in 10 of the commandments of which he said the greatest of these is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then Jesus kind of brought this full circle in his earthly ministry where he said, oh, by the way, the greatest second and like likened to the first is to love your neighbor as yourself. Can I tell you something? Paul told Timothy, he said, there will come a time, perilous times will come where we will enter into an equation of existence where men will be lover of selves more than lover of people guys we have arrived we have arrived in a culture where men and women would rather love themselves more than they would love the existence of the family unit watch this the family unit the home was the first institution on earth ordained by god having said that as god i want you to get a picture here of the creative aspect in the garden That when God spoke, the Bible says, out of nothing, ex nihilo, he spoke it out of nothing. Let there be, and there was. How many of you know that's a powerful God that can speak his word, and life comes into things? Can I tell you something? A little sidebar to that, he's still speaking life. His word is still the very thing he holds above his own name. Never miss that. But as he created all of these things, watch what he did. He said, He created this and it was good. And he created this and it was good. And it was the second day. And he created this and it was good. And he went through the whole gamut. And then he gets to man and he bends on his knees, personified. He breathes his breath into man, he becomes a living soul. Man stands up to worship the one creator, the hope of the world, just he and God. But watch this. In Genesis, I believe it was in 218, he looked out upon man and he said, It is not good. Isn't that interesting? God created all of these things. Psalm 139 says you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. For, for, for some 22 verses, God speaks of his omniscience and his sovereignty in the creative aspect of man. That man, even in his mother's womb, in that dark place, God said, I knew you and I had a plan. He told Jeremiah the same thing. Before I even formed you in your mother's womb, before you and were an embryo, before you were a DNA, I had a plan for your life. All this speaks to the knowledge, the vastness of an omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent God who knows all things, fully in control of all things, omnipresent. He's in all places at one time. Yet as God looked upon his greatest masterpiece... In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 and following, he said, you and I are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, that we would operate in good works before time began. That God looked upon that and he said, it's not good. But he didn't stop just to say it wasn't good. He said, it's not good that man would be alone. I need to go out and find him a suitable helper. Because without, watch this, without the, the, the walking together husband and wife, it was not a good institution. So he didn't create woman out of the dust of the earth. The actual name woman literally means in the Hebrew to be taken out of man. So he went to a rib bone, not the ankle bone to indicate she would be beneath him. That is not God's will for for marriage. He didn't take a neck bone to indicate she would be above him, but a rib bone to indicate she would walk with him all the days of her life under the protection of his covenant. And he created at that moment the marriage institution, the first institution on earth ordained by God. 2,500 years later, the institution of law and the judicial system, if you will. Another 1,400 some odd years, 1,500 years, in Acts chapter 2, he created his precious church, his glorious bride, you and I. But the real question, and it's not at all rhetorical, it's one that we must answer, is why in God's sovereignty... Did he create the institution of the home, the marriage first? Because what did he tell man when he created the marriage institution? What did he tell them? The first instruction he gave them is that you are to be fruitful. You're to be multiplied. You're to create more of the same, more of you. That was the institution fulfilled, the fruit of the loins, the fruit of a woman's womb, the reward, the hope of the world is that he would create little worshipers who would worship God in spirit and in truth. Now you and I of course know that man broke God's heart by doing the one thing he told him not to do. And from that moment there was once again an expulsion from the garden and a disenfranchisement of which we will not get back to until we die. The Bible says at that moment we will put on immortality and we will be back with him the way that he intended. But why? why did he create? Why didn't he create the law first? Because here's what I know to be true. I believe men need a, a, a moral compass by which to walk this life. Without that, we, we're walking aimlessly through life. But we see in the context of the creative existence of man is that man had a moral compass just by knowing God. That before there was a law, before there was a rule, that man could look upon God's face and know that there was a right and there was a wrong. There was a morality and an immorality. There was a, a black and a white, that there was a gray area in which we would try to ride all throughout of eternity. But watch this. In knowing that, God in his sovereignty knew this one thing. Watch this. And I'm going first full circle back to the state of our union. God knew in his absolute sovereignty that before the judicial system and laws of morality would ever happen and ultimately before the church would ever operate in her full capacity watch this the state of the family must be right that god knew that if the home was functioning at its full capacity as god's creative existence the judicial system the law and morality in the world in which we know it would operate at full capacity And guess what? That same morality would flow 1,500 years later into the church. That there would be an order in the church house. That there would even in the church house be a form of government. Maybe you don't know this, but we are, and I want to declare this over our church, we are a pastoral staff-led church. We are a board of stewards, guided. They guide all of our finances, and we are a deacon ministry, implemented Whereby you, the lay people, come together and we're functioning as one body, as one part. Watch this. There's no greater thans and less thans in this church. We're all just men and women of God, boys and girls of the most high God, who are trying to chase after God's heart to one end, and that is to glorify the person of Jesus Christ. And that's an order. So five five of you are excited about that. It's okay, I get it. I don't want to talk to you today. You should turn in your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to begin reading, reading in verse 13, I believe it is. As I begin to unfold this, this in my mind of, of the family unit, husband, and there's a reason that the husband is the head of the home, Ephesians 5 and 25. Ephesians 5 and 22, we're going to talk about over the next few weeks We're going to talk about a series, Family Matters. Both in the context of family matters as in a noun, but also family that matters in the context of we matter. It really, really matters that the family unit is functioning in the way God has created us to function. But as we see this and we unfold it, we see that they're children. We see, and then we see this vicious cycle that's ensued. We're going to talk about this when we talk about husbands and wives. We're not going to get there today of how there's this vicious cycle going on, and we'll talk about that in probably the next week or two. But but I want to really unfold this one thing. That when we look into this this idea of the home and the confusion that has permeated our culture, that's permeated our government, that's even permeated our churches, we realize that it gets down to this one irreducible truth, and that is what is it that we can do as husbands and wives, as children of God? What is it that we can do so that the state of the family is good? I want to read these verses, if I may, and then we're going to unpackage a few of these things today, give you something to take home with you that will really help you to to be able to apply this in your life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. And and I want to just let you know that that as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, he's telling them that there is a plan for spiritual maturity within the confines of this epistle, this letter to this church. That there's a plan in the home. There's a plan for Christ-centered marriage. There's a plan for women to conduct themselves, to submit to their own husband, even as the... uh, to, as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the home, even as Christ is the head of the church. That's God's plan, that in the order of creation, God created man first, and also the order of the fall. Women, uh, The woman Eve went and took, and she ate, and then she gave. So there's two reasons that that hierarchy exists. That's not my words, that's the word of God. And we need to understand that, that, that in its perfect plan, that is the way that it should operate. Maybe many of the women sitting here today and say, well, what if what if my husband husband is, is that guy? What if he's just, what if he's, uh, you know, Lord, give me another good word. An idiot. And um, what if he's that guy? I mean, some of you ladies going, that was a good word there, Mark. That was a good word. Amen, amen. Preach it. My wife sat up there going, you good boy, that's a good word. But what if he's an idiot? Number one, you married him. <laughs> Number two, I stand before you today as an idiot. Who has been converted to the person of Jesus Christ, and there's hope for every idiot in the room. Amen, white ladies, amen. And the guys are going, you better move on quickly, brother. But watch this. Proverbs 31, I'm not going to preach this, the Lord just lays in my heart. Proverbs 31 tells us, however, that it's the virtuous wife. It's you women who honorably chase after God's heart, even when your husband is not leading the way that he should. Hear me. That you bring blessing and honor to your children and to the man in which God has put you with. You keep fighting. You keep praying. You keep coming to church. Why? He don't ever want to cut. You keep coming. I'm evidence today, and there's evidence. I'm not calling anyone out, but there's evidences in this room. You keep going. You keep chasing God's heart. It's so easy for you to become cynical about this and throw your hands up and go, what's the point? The point is eternity. The point is the state of the family. The point is your children. The point is the hope for the nations lies in that family unit, the foundational principle. And I say this unequivocally and without apology. And ladies, it is because of you, because you love deeper, you love longer, you're connected to a holy God you keep fighting for that dingbat in your home and I promise you God will be glorified ladies y'all give him praise he's worthy he's worthy one man in here raised his hand praise the Lord all the other guys going I'm coming back next week but you better talk good about us <laughs> put this in context there's some things unfolding in Ephesians chapter 3 that, that need attention And I think we stand here today, there's some things in our culture that need attention. Hear me, watch this. I won't get far today, but we're going to tie this into two, three weeks. Watch this. When I think of all this, Paul said, (laughs) I fall on my knees and I pray to the Father. I love that. He didn't sit down in pros and cons. He didn't sit down and develop a strategy. Men are strategical. We're mission-minded. Ladies, want to help you. That's why we don't like to go shopping. You don't even tell us what we're looking for. We don't like to go shopping, and you start walking in, you walking behind your wife, and hey, baby, what are we looking for? What color is it? What size is it? How much is it? How much can I spend? How much time I go? Set the clock, go now. That's why we want to shop because we're missional. We walk in there in the store, we don't know what we're looking for, and here's what you do: you go by the thing, and you go, hey, how you like that? I love it. Let's get it. Let's go. (laughs) Nah, I don't like that. And we spend two and a half hours circling all of these wonderful, beautiful clothes. Of which anyone could work from any rack. I don't care if it's petite. I don't care if it's big and tall. Just put it on or let's roll. Let's go eat. And you know what you do, women? You do this. It's a curse. You go all the way through there and you shop and you shop and you shop. And you come back and you get the thing that we saw when we walked in the front door. When I think of all this, listen to what he said. He didn't strategize. Here's what he did. Watch, I love this. Men. Underscore this in your Bible. When I think of all this, Paul said, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. How many of you like simple? Don't get any simpler than that. Daddies, when you decide to get on your face prostrate before a holy God, everything shifts. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth, if you can read this and not get emotional, something is wrong. It breaks my heart every time because I see it. It's, it's, it's truly the aspect of hope for my family. Watch what he says. When I think of all this, I fall on my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and in earth. I pray that from his glorious, watch this, underscore this, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit of God. Then, everybody say then. It's an if then. Then the subsequent part of that, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Watch this. Here it is. Your roots will grow down into the God, in God's love and it will keep you strong. Man, you need to be strong and you can't be strong until you realize you're weak. If you think for one minute today you're in control, you are in a desperate place today. The Apostle Paul, writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, came to this place in this realization in Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9, 10, 11, and 12. when he said this, it is when I am weak that his strength is made perfect in me. Because when I'm weak, then am I strong. And, everybody say, "Anne." And. And may you have the power, that word is dudamas, which literally means dynamite, explosion, power to understand, as God's people should, here it is, how wide, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience, church, the love of Christ that is too great to fully understand. Then, everybody say then. Here's our hope. Then you will be made complete, perfect, mature, with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name. I know we won't get past but one point today, but I pray, God, you would awaken the men in this church, the women in this church, the young people, and those watching by way of podcast or Facebook, awaken us that we may operate in the completeness in the fullness of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Number one, if you're taking notes, I'm going to break this sermon into two parts. Part one, big part one, is to fight for your family. You must dig deep. Paul said, I fought the good fight of faith, which would incline me to think that there's an antithetical side of that fight. There's a good fight of faith, and there must therefore be a what? A bad fight of faith. The bad fight of faith is to to, to be in the person of Christ, a child of the Most High God. Yet watch this. You're whining, you're murmuring, you're bellyaching, you're not leading, you're not trusting God. That is not a good fight, and it's not one that you're going to win. A good fight... Is it when all hell has broken loose in your house and you look to the one who created you in the fullness of his glorious riches and say, I, Though you slay me, yet shall I trust in you? That's a good fight. Guys, let's be honest. We act like idiots. Sometimes our wife, they don't act right either, but check it out. You cover her. And you pray for her as if she has a cancer that's eating away her flesh because that's the reality. You get on your face, man, and you dig deep and you pray. And God will change your life. And maybe, just maybe, your sons and daughters will walk in the room when they see you lying prostrate on the floor, crying out on their behalf. And it will change their life. As the band comes, because I don't want to finish. I want to march on through. Man, y'all, come on back up here. don't, Don't pay any attention to that. Hear me. When was the last time, this is rhetorical, don't raise your hand. When was the last time, moms and daddies, that you prayed, not like this, but like this? When was the last time that you realized that getting on your face was not a humiliation? but a posture of worship. When was the last time that you overlooked the pain in your back and the fact that maybe getting back up is a little more difficult than it was when you were in your 20s? Can I get a witness? Y'all wave your hand at me like you just don't care. What if it takes you 15 minutes to get down there and to get up? Here's what I believe to be true. God will honor it. I talked to some people this week and I'm not gonna give you... Specifics, but I talked to some people this week in our church that were believing God for some pretty big things. God moved because God is a moving God. God is a moving God. You look to your neighbor and say, He's still moving. Go ahead and tell them. But I had one of these precious ladies tell me on the phone the other day after I had been praying for her and some things that were unfolding. She told me, She said, Mark, and, and I'm paraphrasing. She said, Mark, I got on my face and lied before God, and I cried out to him. I said, so how'd everything go? She said, oh, he moved. See, the Bible says when we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, God, hear me, God will exalt us in due time. But if you think, God, I pray this is finding somewhere in your heart today, but when you think you're too stinking big to get on your face before a holy God, God's about to make you small in spite of you. Pray. Consider the billionaire. Here's what we say. I said this one time in my ministry. I said this out loud. I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to be very transparent with you. I remember saying out loud, "Man, look at look at Bill Gates. Look at look at uh, what's the guy that owns Facebook? Satan? No, no, I'm just kidding. What what's the guy's name? Y'all have to scream it out. Martin Zuckerberg. I, and not that he's Satan. Satan. I'm just it's a playground but hear me i I made this statement one time i said you know that he could give me for our ministry a billion dollars and i i come back with that a caveat of do you realize what we could do for the glory of god with a billion dollars how many of you know we could change the world with a big come on we could change the world for a billion dollar with a billion dollars Man, I'd have, I'd have things out here, man. People would come in and wouldn't charge anybody anything. So I wrote him a note on Facebook. He gave a billion dollars two years ago to a minute to a 501c3 to, to disperse funds. A billion dollars. So I said, Lord, if he can give it to them, he can give it to us. And here's what I believe. I believe you have not because you asked not. So I'm going to send him a message. So I send him a message. And guess what, y'all? It's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow. Guess what? He didn't even answer me. <laughs> but listen, I want to read something to you. <laughs> Paul said. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower you, Mark, with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Mark Zuckerberg, probably, upon all accounts, is not even a believer. Steve Jobs. The CEO, before he passed away, of Apple was not a believer. Unless unless he did something on his deathbed that I'm not aware of. As far as I know, Bill Gates is not a believer. And God said, oh, but I own them. Mark, don't trust a man that can bring you in and help you stand because he can just as easily make you fall. But trust in me who has held nothing back from you. I gave you all of my son and all of my glory and all of my splendor according to my riches and glory, which, watch this, are from an unlimited well tap of resources. And you're worrying about a billionaire? Mark, they're nothing but a measle on a gnat compared to the glorious riches of my kingdom. Oh, and by the way, Mark, I want to bless you above that which you can ask, think, or imagine. But are you rooted? Are you rooted in me? Here's what I believe to be true today. And I'm almost done, so don't don't cut me off. I believe when I get rooted in him, I won't need a thing. I won't need a thing. Because watch this. He says in John's gospel, if you abide in me, I'm the root. I'm the vine, Mark, and you are the branch. You're not the fruit. You're not the source. You don't have to worry about the nourishment. I got all of it covered. All I want you to do is lock on to me as a branch rooted in me. And watch this. If you abide in me and I in you, you can do anything. Husbands, how's your walk? Honestly, be honest today. How's your walk? If you had to stand before God right now, what would He say? Eh. Mamas, ladies, how's your walk? How's your walk? I mean, answer the question in your spirit today. What does your walk look like? Maybe not to you, but to them, to the ones out there, because that's the test. Who do men say that I am? Jesus asked his disciple. Let's flip that around. Who do people, people say you are? Now, before, let me offer you this. I'm not saying drive the train of life dependent upon what other people say about you, but in the context of Christianity and in my faith walk, watch this, if they don't see Christ in me, and I cannot declare over my own life that I am a Christian because that implies that I am walking as Christ walked in this life. And unless others say it about me, it's, it is merely a title of a religion. Let me give you this last thing. Not only do we pray, we root in, we pray, but secondly, parents, and I'm, this doesn't even offer explanation. You want to change your family? Love them well. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. What did that look like? He loved you and I when we were unlovable. He loved you and I when we were pulling the hair out of his beard. He loved you and I when he was walking down the streets headed to Golgotha, shouting and, and, and cursing and mocking. He loved us that way. He loved us in the form of the centurion soldier who mocked him and cast lots at the feet of the cross and stuck him in the side with a spear. That's how you love your wife. Don't you dare say she doesn't deserve it because guess what? You don't either. Christ loves you while you were yet a You love her the way Christ has loved you, with a hopeless abandon. And you leave the details up to God. And here's what I know to be true. Then, why, Mark? Why do I submit to God? Why do I submit to him? Because he loved me first. Love her that way. Mamas, love your children. Love them well. God never told you to love your husband like that. But he did tell you to honor him. To respect him. To Submit to that authority and that protection. Submit yourselves unto your husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the home. Guess what? When you see the umbrella of life, you see God, Christ, Holy Spirit all in one flowing into that head of that home. That man deflecting the, the fiery darts of the wicked over his wife and she over her children. And it works because it is God's order. But you love well. And secondly, on that context, you be present. Mom and daddy, you be present. You throw them off to somebody else to take care of them. You had them, they're yours. Be present, love deeply and love well, and invest in their life. Are you praying with them? You see how the points of our message go? We go back to point one. When you get here, turn right, go back to point one. Pray with them. Don't you dare send them to bed with God is great, God is good or if you're you know if you're Asian God is good, God is nice, thank you Jesus for the rice. I mean whatever the case may be, you need to love them and you need to pray over them. They should be praying against the storms of life. At 4 years old, they should be crying out to God to protect them from bugs and spiders and mean people. They should be crying out and believing God And if they don't see you doing that, they're not going to do it. So don't you dare. Don't you dare when they turn 18 and they walk away from the church. Don't you complain to your pastor. It happens in the home. And if it's not happening in the home, what does it say? Raise your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. But if you didn't raise them up and you didn't teach them the word of God and you didn't lie prostrate on the bed next to them and have them lay next to you and you pray with them and then with you. And watch this. If you're sitting here and going, Mark, I failed. Oh, no, no, no. God says, redeem the time for the days are evil. You pray tonight. You pray right now. And you get on your face before holy God. What if they've already left home? Mamas, you know you still love that boy. He's 35 years old. And you still love him like he's three. You pray for him. And you invest in him. Be present. Set the example. And God will open up the windows of heaven. And there will be a light in your home like you've never seen. I'm going to ask you to bow with me today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We'll finish this next week. How many of you could say just boldly, honestly, honestly, not going to point you out, but I sure would like to pray for you today. man. I'm going to start with you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Please don't peek. I want us to get honest with God today. And sometimes we just got to own it. man. are you setting the example? Are you rooted? Are you loving well? Are you being present? Or do you need some work? If you need some work, man, I want you to lift your hand up men lift it up high don't you dare hold your hand down If you, unless you got it all figured out your hand should be up God bless you men God bless you thank you for doing that that was a hand to God not tomorrow ladies, mamas, wives could you use a little help in the submission area in honoring and respecting come on ladies lift your hand do you need a little help God bless you ladies thank you y'all are so quick to respond God bless you young people young people hear me if you're under 20 years of age do you need help submitting to the authority of your parents that God has ordained and put over your life? Do you need some help? Raise your hand, young people. I need some help. I can work on it. Sure. God bless you. God bless you. If you don't know Jesus Christ today as the Lord of your life and the hope in your soul, I want you to pray with me right now. Pray with me from your heart to God. Pray this and mean it from your heart to God. By his grace and through your faith in him, not in me, not in a prayer, he can redeem you today by calling on the name of Jesus. Pray with me right now from your heart to God. Father in heaven. I am a sinner. I failed you, God. I admit that before you. But today, I ask you to save me, to redeem me, to make me your own. Be the Lord over my life and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name.